Welcome to The Bitter Jury, a show breaking down all things Big Brother Canada Season 10. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On this week's show, we're going to talk about Kyle reaping what he sows as he is eliminated from the show, of course. We want to talk about how he put himself in this position. Did Gino make the right decision? putting him up on the chopping block after Marty got himself off of it by winning the veto. Of course, how did Marty go about winning the veto? Would stacking boxes on your chest be that hard to do for all of you listening to this show at home? We want to talk about those questions and so much more. Talk about our winners of the week. Talk about the alliances that are forming the players we think are most likely to win themselves a cash prize, but most importantly, win themselves a free trip via whomever the sponsor is on this season of Big Brother. Of course, joining me to break it all down are my two experts in all things Big Brother Canada, Big Brother USA, the Big Brother universe, of course. I'll start where I always start. He's the man who shares a house with me. Of course, our super producer as well, our friend Daniel Westoff. You watch the show. He lives it. What's up, Westoff? How you doing? I think you put it best. Kyle reaped what he sowed. Uh, the show this week wasn't the most spectacular, entertaining I've ever seen, uh, but we had fun, and uh, Kyle's going home, and I am happy about it, and I'm ready for some new drama to unfold. So should I just wrap the show? I don't even have to bring in Charles. We can just call it. There's episode three for the, all of the, you at home. There's your analysis right there. Yeah, We're that's, done. What, that's what we learned this week now. We can obviously dive into a bit more. I do think perhaps it's even more interesting that some things haven't happened yet, and we'll discuss that on today's episode. But, of course, to help us get into the nitty-gritty, it's my friend, Charles Matthews. Charles, I apologize. I should have mailed you the cookies I cooked for Westoff and ourselves tonight. That way you could have been included. I know you are nursing a nice glass of Kentucky bourbon. That said, did you enjoy this week's episodes? Oh, man. You know what? I I I was waiting for laughter because you all both know that I love Kyle. And if we were on video, I would like be wearing funeral black right now in classes <laughs> because I am super sad. So, yeah, uh, the bourbon's definitely going to help me out this week for sure. Yeah, you know, when he didn't get included on Kyle's Wendy's order, I was like, ooh, things aren't trending well uh, here for <laughs> Kyle. But no, I mean, Look, again, we want to get into all of it. You want to hear, this is so stupid, leave it in, Super Producer Daniel Westoff, for those of you who are listening to this and don't know, Westoff and I do some tennis podcasting on the side. I almost plug Tennis Point there, because <laughs> normally that's where I plug a sponsor. We don't have a sponsor for this show currently, although Dalton Thieneman will be sure to change that, hopefully at some point soon. I mean... Let's just get into it, because normally we go episode by episode. This week, there was one storyline, and came off of the fact that, you know, coming off of last week where Kyle was the head of house and obviously thought he had things going his way, thought he was going to be able to play a backdoor on Josh and was unable to be successful. Stephanie gets eliminated. He didn't see it coming. Neither did Gino. Neither did Jess. Uh, uh, Jace, excuse me, now... The good news for that little trio is Gino wins head of house. And by winning head of house, obviously that group maintains some possession of power. They are in control of who first goes up on the chopping block. And I think the place we have to start, the most heartwarming moment of the season. And I know you, Charles, and you, Westoff, are anti-showmance. And you guys are just wrong. It's okay. I love you for every other take on Big Brother. I agree with 90% of what, 97% 
of what you say. This is in the 3% we disagree. You need a good showmance just to keep everyone engaged. And romance. Okay. So I was once upon a time president of our club tennis tennis team. And I had a theory, played out well my senior year, that there has to be a relationship within the team. Someone has to be dating someone because it just makes everything within the realm of possibility. All of the parties are that much more intriguing because you're like, hey, what if I'm like Blake and Isabel and I find my longtime spouse at a party like this? And, you know, everyone has that much more fun and the dancing and the drinking and there's just connections on the team and intergender mix, which was always a good thing for us. And so that's what a showman does is just keeps all of those notions alive in the house which is a good thing for big big brother chemistry it's a good thing for big brother drama that's why you guys are wrong the most heartwarming moment of the season and you guys can tell i'm now fully caught up i'm watching the episodes week after week jace coming out of the vote when stephanie gets eliminated was so baffled by the result and in her mind she's like gino fucked me you know kyle fucked me Everyone fucked me. I'm on my own. This is the worst. Not only did I lose a vote and was blindsided by the result, but I no longer have a boyfriend I trust or a showman's I trust, and that is horrifying. And then there's the powwow of the three people where Kyle, Gino, and Jace all get together, and they kind of realize Gino's like, no, 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 I'm the second vote, and and Kyle's like, yeah, that makes sense, and clearly you know, Marty flipped on us and the whole house flipped on us and it wasn't us, it was Marty. And you can see on Jace's face that she's like, oh, thank fucking God. She's like, yes. And like Gino was like, oh, she trusts me again. Let's go. There's just a relief on both of their faces. I'll go to you first, Charles. That's just damn good television. Okay. Before I dive into this, I am, as a former club tennis president myself, going to okay. say that I had the complete opposite reaction to the relationships <laughs> on the club team because all of ours were fucking disgusting. We couldn't stand the people that were dating, and that was that's just no. So that's where we dis- so for us, it was my college roommate and our treasurer to my president, Blake Ahadi, who was my partner in crime in everything we okay. did, was dating a junior who was a year younger than us but was big into sorority life and was just a good partier. Like, with all due respect to tennis players, okay, they're not the okay. best partiers. You need a good partier in the mix. Them dating ensured she came to everything because he had to go to everything because we had to go to everything. And therefore, we always had an additional good partier. And so, you're right. The wrong relationship can make things un- uncomfortable. It was the perfect relationship. And I think, in a sense, I'm not saying this is the perfect relationship, <coughs> but it was a good moment. Okay, so so getting back to the show, I do. I'm glad we litigated that. That was good. <laughs> hey, no, I, I needed that. I needed that moment. But you know, I'm not the biggest fan of the traditional showmances. Even though through BBUS history, there are some showmances that I'm just absolutely obsessed with. Like you know, I'm a big um, Jeff and Jordan fan. You know, gotta freaking love Rachel and Brendan. You know, anywho, uh, no, whatever. Um, but with that being said, the Gino Jace showmance for me is just like pretty people flocking to pretty people. <laughs> so I get a little annoyed with it. However, that moment, and you described her face perfectly. I loved that aha moment of like, like you said, it's like, 
fuck yes, the people that I was relying on did not let me down, and now I can go make out with Gino in the corner. Okay, but beyond that, there was also a realization on that note. I'm sorry, we're just going to speak freely here. No, please. Both of them had the look on their face like, oh, thank God, you have the head of household room. We going to fuck like crazy (laughs) this week. And it's like, both of them were like, thank God that's still the plan, because that would have been devastating to lose. No, they they definitely were on that like off again on again but we don't really want to be off but we're going to act like we're mad at each other because i don't know what's going on yeah Yeah, no love it love it yeah westoff you're thinking in your head congratulations gruskin you've done it you've linked big brother to club tennis you knew it was coming it was by episode five um i guess your reaction to that moment is there anything to add i mean you stole my thunder (laughs) i am i am I should be flabbergasted, but it's the most expected thing in the world that if we're on a podcast, you're going to talk about your club tennis team. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I should have seen Don't it coming you know? a, a mile know? away. Um, I mean, to me, the, the showmances, they are what they are. Some people like them. You know, I don't, I, if we're talking here, I think it's the wrong showmance. I think okay. that the real showmance in the house that should have happened is summer in Gino. And you can't tell me otherwise. And I know what? Charles, Charles is not a summer fan and I am a summer fan, but right now it, it's solidified this week. But as of the week we're talking about on this podcast, it was up in the air. It was a jump ball, Gino and Jace or Gino and summer. And, uh, it, it could have gone either way. I'll spoil it. Jace put, lays it down. She, uh, she locks that up. It's it's Gino and Jace for the summer. We got to come up with a a, a a ship name for them. But I was I was team Cino Summer and Gino. Wow, that's fair. No. Here's why. Again, reality TV is supposed to be real. There is nothing more visceral than thinking <laughs> because we have all been in this position where you think you are going to be hooking up with someone for the foreseeable future, and that is put in jeopardy. And you just as a human are like, oh, no. It's just like the that pit in your stomach. You're like, what? It's an inflection point in life where you're just like, you have two roads. You can embrace it. Or you, know, or you can just be like, you know what? I give up. Fine. We're going our separate paths. Or you can find a way out of it. The relief on both of their faces when they were like, oh, thank God. We don't have to confront that right now is just real. Like that is real reality television that's a real look where it's like everyone has had that look some of the big brother shit is manufactured like i pizza no one get i love pizza no one gets that excited about pizza i don't (laughs) care what's going on in a fucking house or what you've been eating that real reality where it's like it lives on. Where it's like we play on. That's that how you happened. know. That's how you know Gruskin's been watching the episode because I didn't even think about that. But you're right. There was a scene in that first episode of this week where they went and they were like, "Pizza, blah, <laughs> beer. We're gonna party." And it's like, okay, come on. But that yeah. was really uncomfortable. Like I don't know why that whole scene. Now that we're talking about it, and I, I don't. I'm not looking directly at my notes, but I was just like, surely coming off of slop isn't that big of a deal we're not even talking about the post slop party this is the this was the post this was the post eviction party on like saturday before they even went on slop and they were just like 
I, th- yeah. This was no. no it, I'm talking it, about it, it, what you're talking about, West stuff. Charles, yeah. you're making a valid point too that the pantry being full. First of all, Herman is funny if you're in on the joke. Herman eating chips is a manufactured moment, and that's not funny, and that was annoying as fuck. Like that is an example of what I'm talking about, and that's a fair point as well, Charles. But. The example I was initially yeah, you're, referring to is what you're referring you're to. Of they had a party the night after the event. That might have been last week. And, and Gina was like, "I don't want to talk game. Let's just drink beer, eat pizza." And then yeah. all I can picture is Tanisha like tongue out on the camera, going, "Pizza!" Eh. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like you're you're a mob. You should just re- reel yeah. it back a little. <laughs> All right. But hey, moms like pizza, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think There's... that's what she was loving. She was loving the liquid. <laughs> Did you guys have like a Zap Zone bowling alley birthday party phase of life with you and friends? Was that ever a thing? What's a Zap Zone? <laughs> L- uh, like laser tag. Yeah. Like when you're like ages 6 to 11. I think I had a um, laser tag birthday party. I just remember the amount of pizza that like every place had their own pizza. I remember shout out Langan's Bowling Alley. Great pizza. Great. Like that's that's pizza you celebrate over and even that you're not going fucking nuts. I don't care how much beer you had. Well, like, I mean, Gruskin, you had pizza tonight. You were jumping up on the couch going, "Woo, pizza!" Well, it was, <laughs> but that had to do with something else. Yeah. That was because I, like Gino, figured out I am also getting laid. Um, no, I wish. Uh, anyways, with that said, shows you the type of week it am, was. Am I going to have to edit this podcast? No, leave it in. <laughs> you no, know, my mom's never going to listen to this. Leave it in. Um, Thing is, my mom will. <laughs> yeah. yeah Here's the difference. I have, Mrs. Westoff. I know how you feel about me. I it's a mutual admiration. I'm quite fond. It's okay that you <laughs> All right. With that said, that shows you the type of week it was. We can have some fun at the beginning. I think that's fifteen minutes on a look. Uh, that's good. That's we're we're rolling. Welcome to episode three. Uh let's talk about the storyline of the week. Gino, head of household, initially puts up Marty on the block, puts up Jess on the block. Jess, not Jace. I want to clarify. Jess, not Jace. Those are his initial two. Makes a full speech about Marty. You betrayed me. This, you know, it was indictment of your character that it unfolded the way it did. That's why you're on the block. Marty is furious. And obviously, and it was very, shout out to Marty. I always say, if you're going to say something about someone, say it to their face. And the more you podcast, the more you hope you have the opportunities to do that because it just makes everything much easier. Um, To Marty's credit, he was fuming. And he goes to Gino and he says, I understand why you put me on the block. I have no issues with that. I can't accept the way you demean my character and went after me on national television when people I care about are going to see this indictment of my character and I'm just uncomfortable with that notion. And, you know, Gino apologized and tried to make amends. And the best thing, in my opinion, possible that could have happened, happened because Marty would have been the target. Marty would have been going home. It was a clear cut week. The only sort of variable that could have been thrown in is if one of Marty or Jess would have won themselves the veto. Well, perhaps best of all scenarios, Marty wins the veto. In a block activity that we'll talk about, I promise, in a second or at the end of the show at some point. But Marty wins the veto and as such takes himself off the block. Now things get interesting. And this is where I want to introduce you, Super Producer Daniel Westoff, because I know that was a quick synopsis. And again, we're going to stick storyline more so than episode by episode. But Marty, if correct me if I'm wrong there, Marty loses the veto. 
Jess loses the veto as well. They both stay on the block. Marty was going home, right? It was pretty clear cut this week. I would say it's clear cut. So I I know you and I were talking before the podcast. We were looking for some sort of through line for that first episode to talk about. What I kind of landed on is just like, I'm not sure Gino had like a solid plan going into this week. Um, you know, he put up, he puts up Marty and Jess and his reasons. Marty, you betrayed me. He gives this whole fiery speech. Uh, and then he says, Jess, you're a strong player who I don't talk to a lot. So you're a threat. So obviously Jess was like, I just need a pawn. So I guess Marty's his target. But then the first diary room that we see of Gino in the next episode is Gino being like, I kind of hope Marty comes off the block. So I'm just trying to get into Gino's head. Like, what was he planning for this week? I, I honestly am not sure. It was kind of just like, I got to put two people up who I can say something about and then we'll wing it after the veto. Like, I, I, Charles, did you see something that I didn't see that was there a plan there? Well, and, you know, I don't know if you heard anything on the, um, you know, the podcast that you listen to outside of this. And I took it as Jess was maybe actually his target. And he just made it a point to basically, you know, try to, you know, exert his dominance over Marty by saying, oh, well, you did me wrong. So I have to put you on the block just so that people don't look at me as weak. And so I'm stronger than you even though I really don't want you to go home. Like I, but again, like you, there was nothing really clear about that outside of just making a spectacle out of people. There was never a, Hey, I actually want you to go home. It was more of a, Hey, I'm going to teach you a lesson and point out a point a finger at you. Yeah. And he even mentioned, I, I think it was mentioned on the show and maybe it was, I'm just remembering the recaps of the live feeds, but his first inclinations were the Bettys and Helenes, you know, to like let's get rid of floater players that aren't good in competitions. So the Marty thing was a secondary, and like I understand it. Like if I were Gino, whether or not you want Marty to leave, it's super easy to have him be on the block because you have a built-in excuse of hey, you betrayed me last week. But if your gut intention is I don't want Marty to leave, then you're backup person should be the person you do want to leave mm-hmm. because he was saying I, I want him to win the veto so because of that therefore you are correct Jess was his target but from what I saw on the live feeds and from the live feed updates Jess wasn't really even on his radar it was more of like a, Jess was the secondary like I'll slot her in because she's an easy person who's already been on the block before so that's why I'm just saying I, I don't really know where where his head was at it's not very clear. He, it was almost like, and and maybe this comes back to my what I talked about last week, which was the difference here between Canada and U.S. The head of household doesn't play in the veto competition. Maybe now that we're on our fourth week of the show, there's been a learning curve, and people are keeping their cards closer to their chest on the first nominations because they know there's a high likelihood that someone comes off the block with the way that it works out with the no head of household playing. This might be our first uh, uh, 
evidence that people are learning on the fly to kind of take that into consideration and really lay the hammer down after the power of veto, which would, is a huge change from the U.S. Yeah. Um, but if this is the way it's going, like I, it's kind of cool to see it evolve and see players change what they usually do, or at least what I'm used to them doing, well, to fit the, I, the, the way the game is here in can Canada. Can I add a slight counter to that? Sure. You should have said no. I'm always curious what's going to happen. Someone's like, no, you can't. <laughs> um, what episode are we at if four people have been eliminated? This is around episode 10, maybe it's, 11. This week is 9, 10, 11. Okay, 9, 10, 11. The fact that we don't have any sort of semblance of a strong alliance. Yeah, some people talk, and yeah, you know, it was a unanimous vote ultimately against Kyle, and I know we'll talk about that more extensively and why perhaps he was an obvious target for a unanimous vote to sort of reset things in the House, but there's no strong alliance. It wasn't as if, hey, X, Y, and Z— we win the veto, we're taking Marty off the block because he's part of our team and we want to target this person. Or, hey, we need to protect Jess because she's an essential part of our trio and so let's go after this person. That wasn't a thing at the veto competition. And, Wes, if you look ready to engage on this, I feel like 10 episodes in to not have a single alliance formed? Like, these Canadians are too kind. It's not. It's not the Canadians are too kind. It's Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> he he united up. everyone against him. Why no. are we blaming Kyle? Here's Leave why we're blaming Kyle. Sorry, Charles. <laughs> Here's, Here's yeah. why we're blaming Kyle because the way this show normally works: first week, everyone's mixed into mingling. Second week, a power alliance slowly forms, and then you solidify that power alliance if you get in power. And if you're not in power, you try and break it down and build yours. And so by the third week. Whoever's at third HOH, hopefully, if they're smart, has built some sort of power structure. You know, you want to have the most numbers in the house of seven, but even if it's a power structure of four or five, you know, that's by now we at least have something like that. Like, I'm just, I'm the most familiar with BB 18 onward, uh, and every single season there, by week four, you have uh, a, a power alliance. What Kyle did last week was he got in power. And then he put up two people in his own alliance and made the whole house paranoid and angry and just like befuddled. And so this week was like, okay, let's catch our breath, get the guy out who did that. And so really we're starting week f- next, this coming week, week five, almost like it's week two, where whoever wins that HOH next week can kind of, if, if they do it correctly, set the pathway for the next few weeks in the house and build an alliance. Or they can go the Kyle route, blow it up again, and we can just have chaos the whole season, which would be great television. My it, my Big Brother fandom inside would be screaming, but it'll be great television if that happens. Now, obviously, I'm going to be a defender of Kyle because I still think that he should be there. But do you think that – and we talked about this previously. Do you think that because it seems that this house talks a lot – that it's even possible for them to have a successful alliance because everyone just has a big mouth and blurts everything out and tells all these secrets every other every other second they have. It's per player. Marty's really bad. Marty can't keep his mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Um, Summer's a big talker. She doesn't really keep that many secrets. Kevin's doing a great job. Like no one knows how how the hell to read Kevin. He's my favorite player right now, hands down. Um, yeah, I, I'm still here for uh, Kevin. 
I, I don't know if he'll make it all the way, but I just love what he's doing. Um, I, I don't think it's that unique of a house. <clears throat> I don't really think it's the actual players themselves that are causing this unique scenario. I think it's it's Kyle's actions and then just the the reaction to that kind of takes you a whole week to recover from. So if we see chaos this coming week, then I'll be like, okay, maybe we have a unique cast. Um, but I really want to see where the house goes. For now, I, I, I understand the dynamics. I think I may not pr- – prediction is the wrong word, but I, I can at least see how it formulated and why things are happening. But if next week is chaotic, then maybe it's just the people in the house and maybe they are just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm, the good news is – so let's get to what ultimately happens. Marty wins the veto, takes himself off the block. Gino is then convinced to put Kyle on the block in Marty's yeah. place. So, How does that happen, Westoff? Let me see. Yeah. So initially – and and actually before we get into this debate, I do want to just real quickly touch on – got to give some love to Canada and their and their competitions, especially, especially these power veto competitions. I – I may continue watching Canada for the rest of my life just to watch these power veto competitions. For sure. So like, how many boxes would you have gotten, Charles? <laughs> well, actually, so oh, just gosh. for people who no, we're are doing listening. It. We're doing it. Yeah, so, no, no, oh, let yeah. him describe it. Let yeah, him so describe for people it. who no. are listening who didn't see the episode, the competition was simple. You've got a pillar yeah, in front I of you. Try to say no. <laughs> You've got a pillar in front of you. You've got Christmas presents coming down the line, and you have to slowly stack Christmas presents in front of you on like, your chest, on your yeah. like chest or hands, continually adding pressure, horizontal pressure, and then every, I think they showed the clock at an hour and twenty minutes when they had f- six boxes or something. It's so like every twenty minutes a box comes down the line, and you have to make sure that all of the boxes you already have stacked in front of you don't fall while you add a new one to your stack, and uh, it, it's just along. I'm the sorry same to get theme. graphic. The imagery is as if imagine a man had an extraordinarily present-sized erect penis just against a wall, and you have to balance present that. Present-sized yeah. erect penis. No, but, but wow. like, okay. present-sized. <laughs> so we're talking, yeah, you know, again, in lieu of a penis, it's a present. And you're just stacking it against the wall, and you have to keep your balance the entire time. Like, I'm trying to, the it's, it's uh, perpendicular to, you know, you are standing, there's a standing sphere, the presents are perpendicular to you in the sphere. You have to balance it. And, but my but, imagery just helps. But my favorite part, because Canada, they like they they fuck with your mind during these games. Um, like Charles said last week, know, a lot, a lot of these a lot of these games have like multiple parts. So like when you think you're done with one part, you have another part. This one was straightforward. You just stack and stack and stack until you're the last one. But an hour and twenty minutes in, they're like, "Hey, by the way, the next present you can let go by. That's fine. But if you want to stack it, you'll get a letter from home." And like. You've got Tanisha, the single mother there, who all she talks about is her child. And, like, she has to make this gut-wrenching decision, which, like, it's not that gut-wrenching because she wasn't on the block. And I don't know how at risk she was to go up. But she was treating it like she had to win this competition. And so when that letter comes by, she has to make this, like, split-second decision, like, hear from my daughter and maybe lose the competition because of it. Or don't hear from my daughter and still have a very – tough competition against people who are fighting on the block to survive 
And so that just that Sophie's choice there, maybe that's a little dramatic, but that's a hard decision. <laughs> okay, and not uh, is good television. <laughs> And I'll let you um, keep going with that point, but I, I apologize got. to anyone who is like a parent and super sensitive about this. But one thing I absolutely fucking hate is an ugly crier. <laughs> and she may be one of the ugliest criers I've ever witnessed in my <laughs> life. So even though I kind of felt bad for her as soon as she started crying, I just immediately was well, turned off. What, what I felt bad about, I don't think she did anything wrong. She showed the appropriate amount of emotion like oh my god i want to hear from my daughter but i also want to win this for her fine but super producer west off here i had my producer hat on and like those producers did her a little dirty because the slow violin music and the drama of it made it seem like she made this backstab decision not to hear from her daughter if i were her daughter watching the show i'd be like really you're not going to open my letter and it's like if we would have just played the tape, it probably would have been fine. But all the extra drama music just made it seem so much more gut-wrenching, which good television, can't hate on it. I think that's well said. So with that in mind, how many boxes can you balance? <laughs> I, I've always – I always said if if I ever get married, my bachelor party, I just want to go to a Big Brother house and play all the competitions. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. That seemed really hard by the time they got to like box eight. Can we vote off? First of all, if we make an alliance, who gets voted off? <laughs> you know who I'm going to say? Let's assume it's all the college roommates plus me and Craig and Parker. Does Craig get eliminated first or is it me? Is it Parker? Because like do we go after Ariza early because otherwise you just can't let him linger? If I'm being honest. It might be me. It might be you. I know. I'm a hot – it would just be an easy because pick. Because for me, the college roommates, the penthouse, they're the core. I, I know I trust them. Everyone's fuck Craig, but you don't get rid of the person that's the biggest pariah of the house. You keep them around as a target. So that would be my task. That's why Kyle to- should still be there. Can well, I give that's, the counter- what we, that's what we're about to debate. <laughs> yeah. so. so my counterpoint would be, Westoff, that I'm entertaining enough that you would want me there for one week. But then just kill me the second <laughs> week, and it's easy. And it's I'm like, cutting you because you're such a talker that I'd be afraid to let you in a, stay in a room alone with anybody long enough. They'd be no. like, fine, I won't vote you out. Shut up. First of all, here's the thing. Don't I don't want to hear about me. club tennis. Go home. <laughs> Here's the thing. If I can survive the first week, I'm making it to week three because Dalton is Frenchy and he'll win the first out of house and then everyone will hate him. So he'll get voted out week two. And then it's just week three. I'm gone. If I can make it there, then it's interesting. Anyways, how did Kyle get eliminated? How did he get put on the block? Well, um, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but Gino's initial replacement ideas were Betty and Helene, just floaters. Um, Okay. On the show, they portrayed it as Summer came up to his room, got in his ear, and was like, hey, you know, the whole house doesn't like Kyle, and you're associated with Kyle, so you've got Kyle stink on you. The only way to get that off is to eliminate him. On the live feeds, the credit really goes to Helene. Helene came in and gave a really strong pitch for why Kyle really needs to go and how Gino – is super tied to Kyle and that can't be erased until Kyle's gone. So 
whoever made the final pitch to Gino that sunk in, it, Summer or Helene, whoever did it, that we got to the point where Gino decides he's going to put Kyle on the block and backdoor him. Um, that this is where the debate comes in, and I don't even know where I fully stand yet. But did Gino make the right move, putting his ally Kyle on the block? And like before, I throw this question to you two because I want to hear from you two first. A couple caveats on there, Kyle is a ride or die for Gino. He's never putting Gino on the block. Like, especially now that he has no friends in the house, Gino and Jace are the only two people that even have anything in common with him anymore, that they used to be in an alliance and sort of still are. They, they had uh, Kyle in for conversations at, during the initial nomination. So he, Kyle is a ride or die for Gino. He does not have to be scared that Kyle is going to get head of household next week and put him up. So that's a huge factor. And he's like a fight. I think he has a final two with Gino. So like, that's a guy who's going to take you to the end if he were to get there. And if you can get him on jury somehow, even though how unlikely that is, he's a vote for Gino. So I'll throw this to you two first and then I'll, I'll maybe have an opinion by then. Did Gino make the right decision by putting someone who was that valuable to him on the blog just because the entire house didn't like him? I guess Charles, you're you first. Ah, uh, okay. Let me let me take a quick sip of bourbon. <laughs> I was gonna say I think he, this is his moment. This is where the defense of Kyle comes in. <laughs> I don't. Well, and I'm I'm trying to earlier. remove. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm trying to remove myself from being a fan of Kyle and actually looking at it from a game perspective and not someone who I wanted to potentially win the game is now eliminated. So I'm salty about it. Um. I have to say at the end of the day, I don't think it was a good move because as you mentioned earlier, Daniel, you do want to try and keep someone around. That's going to be a bigger target. Um, You know, Kyle in making his plea to even stay brought up the good point of if you keep me around, you know, that people aren't coming for you, you know, whether it's Gino or, other individuals in the house so they at the back of their mind have to realize oh yeah there's always going to be someone else now they can use that to bargain with him right you now have someone that is completely lost who knows that they fucked up who will literally promise you the world and will probably have to follow through with it because they know that they're immediately going to go up because everyone is against them and i think at the end of the day Chino could have made another decision, whether it have been a Betty or a Helena or, or whoever, that people would have ultimately still been okay with at the end of the day. But I feel like, and I'll be interested to see what happens over the next couple of the week, couple of weeks, but I feel as if Gino got played by the house no matter who it was that ultimately told him summer which i'm never going to believe because she's just useless to me um (laughs) or helena or anyone else but I, i just really feel as if he let them get to him so hard about you have to separate yourself and you have to disconnect from him 
that he still would have been okay. Because at the end of the day, I think people that are making that argument also realize that if Kyle and Gino stay together, they're pretty damn formidable in that house. And I think that other people saw that, whether it be subconsciously or not, and just really, really, really drove that nail to just help him get Kyle out of there. I'm not sure. What do you think, Alex? So I'm going to disagree. I think Gino made the absolute correct move. And why? Because it's a reset of the house. And I mentioned this earlier. We have not seen an alliance form, any sort of strong bond between any group of more than two or maybe three players. As such, if you do not target Kyle in this moment, he and he didn't, by the way, and Marty was the scapegoat because Marty was someone who lied to him. The speech made it clear for that fact. I think the House would have understood Gino's position as such. They weren't going to hold it against Gino. That said, the only certain alliance was Kyle, Gino, and Jace. And that puts Gino in just a vulnerable position because no one is going to be on Kyle's side, except for you, Charles. But no one in the House right now, as the vote indicated, is on Charles' side. What Gino does by doing this is puts the game back at neutral, which for us fans, you're right, isn't quite as fun. But from his perspective, by going after Kyle, he takes himself and Jace, who are a duo, but a duo is not that threatening at this stage of the game, off the chopping block. Just by saying, fine, let's turn on Kyle, let's reset things, let's try and form a new alliance. I'm going to be agreeable to all of these people who are asking me to do this. And by the way, when you make an alliance with me, it's a plus one. So if you have two, I have two. We're now just not two people. We're four people or, you know, all these different things. I think this is the best play for Gino. And ultimately, you know, again, who was in the position of power with all due respect to Kyle. Like, I think this is the move that Gino had to make. Otherwise, he would have been the obvious target moving forward. Charles? Westoff? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. <clears throat> so I, I'm so conflicted. I'm so back and forth on it. Um, my ultimate goal, if you're the HOH, is to come out of the week in a better position than you entered the week without too much blood on your hands. So honestly, his initial nominate, like having Kyle as a ride or die who will never put you up, that's a, a card in my back pocket as an HOH that I really don't want to lose. Now, the fact that he ended up losing Kyle and, and, he, and Kyle's evicted, it's not the end of the world. Like, he was a pariah to the house. You know, you're right. He is on a neutral plane now. It's a kind of an even playing field. But if I'm HOH, I'm not trying to come out of my HOH week and just be on a neutral playing field. I know he was below a neutral playing field, so he did improve his position, but that's not a huge improvement. Um, <clears throat> I just think there were so many other options out there that, you know, and I, I, I still, I'm so, I'm going back and forth as I'm talking, but to me, that guaranteed jury vote, and the the thing that sways me to say it was the wrong move, is just the fact that no matter what happens. Kyle will go before you. So even if next week, if you had, if you played your HOH the worst possible week you could have played, well, that was Kyle's week. But if you, if you played it terrible and pissed everyone off, kept Kyle and sent someone out the door, 
unless he fucked up more than Kyle, next week Kyle's going home, and you have a full week to recover from whatever drama happened. That's worst case. He wasn't even in worst case. He was in a decent place where if he sends home any floater, Betty, Helena, I think I was saying Helena earlier, it's Helena, um, send home a floater, keep Kyle, then no matter what happens next week, I highly doubt there's any scenario that you go home before Kyle. So you just bought yourself a free week. And on top of that, if some weird shit happens and we send someone else home that's not you or Kyle, and somehow Kyle sneaks in a jury, now you've also got someone on the jury with your vote. So you've got a shield in front of you, someone who will always go home before you. You've got, if you take them far enough, you've got a guaranteed vote on the jury. The only real risk here. And the only reason you wouldn't do that is if keeping him made the house so angry at you or or associated you two so much together that it was like, okay, well, since he didn't send Kyle home, it's now Kyle and Gino as our number one and two targets. And I don't see that as the scenario that happened. So without that being in play, like, don't ever get rid of your allies to me. like. Yeah. You, sh- it should be a golden rule. If someone is never going to vote you out, don't vote them out. Don't put them on the block. That it's that. And uh, well, and to to tack on to what you said, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like to me, he didn't come out of his HOH in a more neutral position. Like you know, I even look at it from the perspective of him actually being a little bit weaker because he shows that he can be manipulated by people who have one nothing who were able to get into his head and make him think that oh gosh you and kyle are going up but again i agree with you daniel at the end of the day if he and kyle are going up people are still going to get rid of kyle first it's not like he was ever in danger he just let this to me empty threat but you know just let this threat pressure him into disconnecting himself from one other person that literally would have taken him to the end. And I think had he taken another route, I don't know. I, again, obviously I'm trying not to, you know, think about it just being Kyle, but I just, I just really think that there were other options for him to have taken. Well, and here's, here's what I'll say. If you are going to go with the route Gino went, which is to put Kyle on the block and send him home, who is a very close ally of yours, that's fine. Like, I, I, honestly, it's trying to put myself in the shoes of his shoes. If I was the HOH and the whole house was like, hey, you've got Kyle stink on you. Please send Kyle home and we'll all love you. It's really hard to fight against a whole house of people saying, we'll love you. Just send Kyle home. Like, after a week, like Kyle's HOH. I would want a little bit of peace for a day or two of people being like, oh, thank God it's Kyle and like chill the drama down. But if you're going to go that route, you have to be active and build a new power structure that helps you that will that will fill in that vacuum. Like, all right, if we're sending Kyle out the door and I know I'm losing an ally, then I need to be working my ass off to create the new alliance that goes into week five. And so that. It's maybe not 100% solidified, but the whole structure is there. And as long as the right people win the HOH, we're going to solidify that and have something moving forward. 
And Gino didn't do anything like that. He kind of puts Kyle up and it's like, look, I did the house's bidding and let's just have a peaceful rest of the week and play HOH at the end of the week and we'll figure it out from there. It's like, no, if you're going to lose an asset, then work your ass off while you still have the power and yeah. build a structure that helps you. Like these people, like the every HOH so far other than Kyle – hasn't worked hard enough in my opinion to create something kyle worked too hard so you could kind of see both ends of it but like you don't just become hoh put someone up on the block and hope that the house all of a sudden becomes your ally that that takes work and i gino has not done any of that work and so it's a bit of a waste to me well i think to me that's exactly why he had to do this because he was not in a position to to play any defense because I think next week, let's say Gino, Kyle, or Jace didn't win out of house. Well, then Kyle's just going to be gone after next week, and Gino is still associated with that stink. And I that's why I think you do this now. You kind of get rid of all that, and you reset. Well, from a position of power, you say, hey, I just did everyone this favor. Now everyone thinks fondly of me. Even Marty and I made a But mistake. how far does fondly go in the Big Brother house? Yeah. It goes well, about it goes about one week, and then when the eviction happens, but I, but you it's, say it's gone. Week, but, but there's no alliance right no, now. Like, but there's think no about one this, against though. him. Yeah, but think about this, though, now, because even after he nominated Kyle, I forgot who it was exactly, but maybe Helena – that was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you actually did that, right? Now these people that have, again, I feel like he just really got played by everyone. But now that he put up the person that everyone was buzzing in his ear about, they can now come back on him and make him the target and say, oh, well, we know you're not trustworthy because you put your best friend on the block. Like, I think it was a a lose-lose for him because I really think that he ultimately got played and I'm just waiting for that moment to come where it's like, Oh yeah. You remember you put Kyle up. Like, didn't you have a final two with him? It's just like step one, step two, step one. Summer says, Hey, I want Kyle to go on the block. Step two for Gino is okay. I will do that in return. What will you do for me? He didn't have that second part of the conversation. He just said, okay, I'll do that. And then in his head was like, I hope that makes it okay with her down the line. No, this is big brother. You got to play the game. So if you're going to do her bidding or Helena's bidding or whoever it was that convinced him, get something in return. You're the, you're the head of household. You run the show for the week. And so if you're going to let the house dictate what you do, the house better give you something back in return. It better be some sort of safety. And he just was like, oh, I hope that they like me now. And it's, it's, it's a little naive in my opinion. Yeah. Sounds like you're two, uh, one against two here, uh, Greskin. Sorry about that. Sorry, <laughs> not sorry. This is part of the 3% again that I referred to <laughs> earlier. Um, yeah, I mean, so with that said, Kyle on the block, He's voted out. It's unanimous. Well, before the vote, I actually want to have – is there anything Kyle could have done to stay? Because I've been racking my brain. I don't no. I, I don't know the if there is. The answer is no. That's why is there I think any it makes pitch? sense. <laughs> like once, once he was put up by Gino, Charles? I think it was like a nail in the coffin. Like, look, your best friend put you up. Like yeah. is there any pitch he could have formulated that would have convinced a majority of the house? I – I don't have one. Do you? No, you know, and, and I, I agree. I think that because it was Gino that it was kind of done. Um, you know, 
you know, as I kind of mentioned earlier, his pitch in a quote unquote normal Big Brother house, which nothing's normal about Big Brother, of course, but you know, in a in a normal situation, the pitch is again, hey, I'm the worst enemy of the house now. You need me as a shield, as you mentioned, and you need me as now a bargaining tool because again, Kyle's a strong competitor. You know, he, he had won HOH, of course, and you know was was very very close in other competitions. So let him become an ally that owes you his life. And I think that because Summer's loud and just wanted to snap her neck and and get in somebody's face about it, that um, she was able to help get him out of there. Um, as much, I can't believe that just came out of my mouth, but, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I don't think he could have saved himself. Um, had it been someone else's HOH and he, had he gotten put up, I think he would have stood somewhat of a chance. Um, but, uh, Gino definitely kind of nailed that coffin for him, unfortunately. Yeah. I think once Gino made the nomination, it was done. There was no way that house was flipping. I do think he could have tried harder. Gino did give him a heads up. He pulled him in and said, Hey, I'm putting you on the block. And, um, I didn't watch this live, but I just heard the recap and, and Kyle didn't really put up too much of a fight. He was just kind of shocked at first, a little betrayed, but then kind of came to terms with it after a minute or two and was started telling Gino it was a good, a good move, which like maybe that helps Kyle's ego to make it seem like Gino's making a good move by getting him out. But if I'm in that position, all those points we just made about why Gino shouldn't do it. That's what Kyle should be saying to Gino's face before the nomination. Look, dude, I'm never putting you up. I'm never voting you out. If I get to jury, my vote is for you to win the game. If I, if I stay this week, everyone in the house is coming for me next week. I'm a shield in front of you. You say those four things to any head of household and that head of household is going to go, huh? Maybe I'm making the wrong decision. And Kyle didn't do anything like that. I I think he was still so embarrassed from the fallout of last week that he was just kind of like, okay, I'm getting my due here. It's uh, I reap what I sow, as Gruskin said in the beginning. And he kind of just laid down. And it's like, I no, I want to see you fight. Like, yeah, you're but on, the you're 12 on television. West stuff. The 12. <laughs> the 12 what? The 12 conspiracy theory. 12. That's his parting oh message for everyone. Oh, my God. <laughs> And for anyone who doesn't know what Alex is talking about, as Kyle left the house after he was evicted, but was it a unanimous vote, Charles? I don't remember. I think it was. Why are you asking me this question? I know we literally just watched the episode forty-five minutes ago. But stop <laughs> making me relive <laughs> death of Kyle, please. Uh, but yes, it was unanimous. Okay. Well, as Kyle walks up the steps, he turns around and says. By the way, I there's a secret power of the house that I have that is now back in play, and I'll give you one hint, the number 12, and then he walks out. And spoiler alert on the live feed, not one house guest ever talked about it again for the rest of the night. Are you serious? <laughs> no, it didn't have any impact. They, they completely Dang it. I thought it. <laughs> that was a baller move. I was nope. so excited by that. Okay, <laughs> not, well, one, never mind. not one person talked about it. So, Damn it. Yeah, so Kyle just goes out as the biggest hot air balloon I've ever seen on Big Brother, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, well, then with that said, 
Coming out of this week, I'll start with you, Charles. Give me your top three leaders in the clubhouse to take home the title. Hmm. Well, now that one of mine's eliminated, I'm going to go Kevin, Marty, and I don't really want to say this, and it may change, but I'm going to go with Jess. Westoff? Kevin, Herman, and I'm going to say Moose. Wild card. Mm. <laughs> now, uh, Charles, are you aware of who won the head of household? I am not. Alex is not either. Should I spoil it or do you want to wait and we'll talk about it next week after you watch no, the episode? No, reward the listeners. Okay. So, weird coincidence there, Charles, because I was like, I wonder if you watched the episodes. Head of, okay. head of household, Jess. Okay. So I don't know any. I don't know who she puts up. That's a nice little power dynamic flip. I like that's, that. That's that's okay. Okay. Yeah, that's Jess's uh, head of household. So we'll see where that goes. Um, yeah. You want me to go through my couple behind the scene things? Well, no. I want to give an answer first. Oh. Um, I forgot you're you're in this now. We're four episodes. I don't think Herman's that good. Like he's just kind of floating. He talks a lot, but he hasn't really won. He just hasn't won shit. Um, the problem is no one's really won shit. I think Geno's has to be considered a player just because physically, I think he'll be good at some of those challenges. It's just he happens to be that player this season. I mean, Kevin is sneaky, but I don't know if it's sneaky good or just sneaky loud. Shout out Kevin's – you tried to talk about it last week, Gruskin. Yeah, the, Andrew. The lawyer impression, which <laughs> was like a baller big brother mood. The whole house is tension. Gino thinks everyone voted against yeah. him, betrayed him. How are we ever going to have a one-on-one conversation? It's going to be so awkward. Baller move, big brother. Kevin dresses up like a lawyer. Pretends Boss to be a move. different person. Completely cuts through all the tension. Gino's laughing. It's hilarious. And then they get down to some core conversation. And by the end of it, Gino's like, you're not going on the block. It's like, dude, that's how it's fucking done is mm-hmm. take a weird, awkward situation and just turn it on its head. And it, that's why I'm like, I don't know if Kevin could go all the way because I think people are going to catch on to how smart he actually is. But he's played the best game so far, in my opinion. Yeah, I so Marty's super aggressive. That's either going to really work for him or kill him. So I'm going to put him in my top three because he just wants to play. Him, Tanisha, Gino. That's my top three. I'm going to go with it right now. But it's Tanisha? Very, very, yeah, it's very, very fluid. Yeah, because I, I just think she fight, She fights. Oh, so you like ugly criers. <laughs> hey, I, everyone has a weakness. Um, you know, for some, it's bourbon. For others, it's <laughs> ugly criers. Um, with that in mind, yeah, stop. Final thing. Take us through the behind the scenes. Well, just one small thing. There is a large conspiracy theory going on that Tanisha is the mastermind of the house and that she's working with Herman and Moose and that there's this power trio going on, and none of it's true. Tanisha is literally just chilling. Like, Summer is the one that is actually trying to make game moves. 
but like this house has kind of lost their mind and like most of the house thinks Tanisha is just this like super mastermind running the show and like she's, she's not doing much. So that's just an interesting tidbit there uh, as you bring up Tanisha. Um, the, the, the difference between Canada and the U.S. with the head of household not playing in the power of veto, I learned today that that's only been in play since season seven of Big Brother Canada. So the first first six seasons, it was played just like U.S. I don't know what the cause was for the change. I don't know if it was just to distinguish themselves from the U.S. or um, I think it went into effect the season before COVID. So I don't think it was a COVID thing either. Um, but yeah, the the no head head of household playing in the power veto. This is only the third season, and from the what I was hearing. Season eight was kind of a throwaway anyway. So it's this is really the only the second or the third season we've seen it actually make a difference. And uh yeah, I just I, I still love that twist. I think it's a it makes the game more competitive and takes away the the amount of power that the head of household reigns it's reigns it's each week. Um and the last thing, just a random fun fact, uh in the history of Big Brother, there have been four Kyles to play on Canada Big Brother and zero Kyles to ever play U.S. Big Brother. We've had a okay. Kyle, we've had a Kyle Lind, but never a Kyle. And a Kyle has never made it to jury on Big Brother Canada. So we should have known all along. Should have known all along. Don't invest in, in Kyle. No, this is, this is what they were looking for, Westoff. That's why they join us here tonight. So with that in mind, Charles, any final thoughts from the week? You know what? I just have to say that I am thankful for the two of you because you turned <laughs> an otherwise boring week of BB Canada into an amazing night of discussing <laughs> how wrong Gruskin is and how Good. amazing Bourbon is. Well, if you listen to our tennis podcast, that's a theme there as well. So you <laughs> notice I have a shtick here, and it's playing the role of wrong to instigate. Um, no, yeah, I I would agree. I think it's been a slow start. It's just there's no pecking order. It's still wide open, which makes it fun, but certainly – it feels like one domino will fall. We'll learn of our first alliance, and then things really start rocking and rolling. Excuse me, down this season's home stretch. So, with that in mind, Stoff, any final thoughts? Um, yeah, I have a lot of final thoughts, but they're all they're all based on your club tennis win. So we'll save it for a different okay. podcast. Okay, so yeah, we can get there next week. Yeah, that's fine. Don't worry, they're not going anywhere. Um, well then, with that said, uh, again, a thank you to all of you tuning in. We look forward to continuing to do this throughout the rest of Season 10, and obviously we'll continue to do this as Big Brother America uh, picks up next season as well. Uh, with all that said, for the fantastic Daniel Westoff, the amazing Charles Matthews, I am Alex Gruskin. You are listening to The Bitter Jury, and we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>